Audio 1.1. So, how many friends would you say you had? Well, it all depends what you mean by friends, doesn't it? I mean, I get on well with a lot of people at work. That's maybe twenty people I'd say were friends. Do you socialize outside work? Oh yes, maybe not that often, but we meet up after work from time to time. Then there are the friends I play football with. I guess I don't have a lot in common with them apart from football, but I'd say they were friends all the same. But how many of those friends would you ask to help you out if you were in trouble? Ah, well, that's different. Friends you can really trust. There aren't so many of those. Maybe five or six.、Hmm. And what about online? Do you have a lot of Facebook friends? No, not really. I can't be bothered with it really. I guess I've got about fifteen to twenty, but I don't use it much. What about you? Oh, I have a lot of friends on Facebook. About a hundred and fifty, I think. A hundred and fifty? Do you keep in touch with all of them? Yes. Well, kind of. You know, we send the occasional message to each other. And have you actually met all of them face to face? No. Some of them are people I've met on holiday or something, and we wanted to keep in touch. Some of them are old friends from school, but there are quite a lot of friends who are people I've never actually met at all. I just made friends with them on Facebook. I don't see how you can be friends with someone you've never met. Of course you can. I probably chat to some of them more than you talk to your friends from football. Hmm. And what about in the real world? How many friends do you have in real life? Well, a lot of the friends I see often in real life are on Facebook too. Actually, I've got friends from work, like you. And then there are the people in my evening class. I'm learning German. And what about really close friends? I've only got a couple of really close friends that I share everything with. Actually, if I'm honest, recently just one, because I've fallen out with one of my best friends. We're not speaking to each other at the moment. Did you have a big argument?、Mm, not exactly. It all started when she wouldn't add me. Audio one point two. Get on well with someone. Meet up with someone. Have a lot in common with someone. Fall out with someone. Help someone out. Trust someone. Get in touch with someone. Keep in touch with someone. Make friends with someone. Have an argument with someone.
Audio 1.3 1. I often meet up with groups of friends in the evening. 2. You don't need to have a lot in common with someone to be friends. It's fine to have different interests. 3. I get on well with most people I know. There aren't many people I don't like. 4. A really good friend is someone you can call at midnight and ask them to help you out. 5. The friends you make at school are often friends for life. 6. I'm always pleased when someone I haven't heard from in ages gets in touch. 7. I'm quite easygoing. I rarely fall out with my friends. 8. I'm not speaking to my sister at the moment. We've had an argument. It seems a bit childish. 9. I can trust my closest friend with all my secrets. Audio 1.4 And now in our regular look at what's trending on social media and why. Right now it's something called Black Friday. This term has been used more than two million times on Twitter in the last 48 hours. Black Friday is the fourth Friday in November, when the shops have amazing special offers in the run-up to Christmas. Many items are half price, or two for the price of one, and it's now the busiest shopping day of the year in some countries. It started in the USA, but it's spreading round the world now, to the UK, Australia, and more recently to shoppers in Brazil, Mexico and other Latin American countries. Many shops have been opening very early in the morning, and in some places, people have been so keen to get a bargain that they have started queuing outside the shops the night before. Last year, it is estimated that shoppers in the USA spent over $11 billion on Black Friday. However, while you may get a good discount on your purchases, you should be careful. Firstly, there's the real danger of spending more than you intended or can really afford, buying things on credit and owing a lot of money. And secondly, it may be dangerous, with over 50 injuries in the past five years, caused by people fighting over things in the sales. Audio 1.5 Let's go over to a busy shopping centre and find out what shoppers there think. Today is one of the busiest shopping days of the year and this shopping centre is full of people shopping. However, today something different is happening here. It's Buy Nothing Day and some people are here to try to persuade the rest of us to do just that. 
to buy nothing. Lewis Castle is one of them. He's standing here in the main entrance of the shopping centre, holding a big sign saying, Stop shopping, start living. Lewis, can you explain a little about what Buy Nothing Day means? Yes, of course. It's pretty simple, really. We're asking everyone to think about their spending habits and buy nothing at all for just one day. And what difference will that make? Well, the idea is to make people stop and think about what they're buying. When you really think about it, the idea of buying things as a way of spending your leisure time is crazy. We are all buying more things than we really need. We believe shopping makes us happy, but it doesn't. In fact, it can do the opposite if people end up owing a lot of money. Yes, I agree. That's a good point. People often buy things they don't really need or want. Exactly. It's amazing to realise that only 20% of the world's population is consuming over 80% of the Earth's natural resources. Does that seem fair to you? In countries like the UK, we all own far too much. Does it make any difference what you buy? Yes, that's part of it too. We're trying to get people to think about the effect their buying choices have on the rest of the world. Something might seem a great bargain, but that could be because it's been made in a country where the workers aren't paid enough. In addition, most of the time we prefer people to buy locally, because transporting goods by air has a harmful effect on the environment. But will it really make a difference if we stop shopping for just one day? Actually, most people don't understand how difficult it is to last 24 hours without spending any money. But you'll feel great if you achieve it. Are a lot of people taking part in Buy Nothing Day this year? Yes, and more and more do every year. I think it started in Canada more than 20 years ago, but now there are Buy Nothing Day movements in over 65 countries. Audio 1.6 1. Can you explain a little about what Buy Nothing Day means? 2. When you really think about it, the idea of buying things as a way of spending your leisure time is crazy. 3. We believe shopping makes us happy, but it doesn't. 4. Yes, I agree. That's a good point. 5. We all own far too much. 6. Most of the time we prefer people to buy locally. 7. Most people don't understand how difficult it is. Audio 1.7 Listening for Keywords Keywords carry the most important information. They are generally nouns and verbs, and are usually spoken more loudly and clearly than other words. For example, three times a week. 
I send a lot of emails. I like looking at shopping websites. Audio one point eight. This is a fascinating book. We all know that the internet is changing the way we do things, but Carr believes that it is also changing the very way our brains work. With the printed book, he argues, our brains learn to think deeply. In contrast, the internet encourages us to read small bits of information from lots of different places. We are becoming better and better at multitasking, but much worse at concentrating on one thing. Audio one point nine. One. Shopping and banking online is unsafe. Two. Looking at screens all day is bad for our eyes. Three. People will forget how to talk to each other. Four. People don't spend enough time outside. Five. Online information is not always reliable. Six. Hyperlinks in online texts are very distracting. Seven. We are now using far more electricity to power all our screens. Eight. Multitasking online makes us work less effectively. Audio one point ten. So this week we're going to be talking about *The Shallows*, a book by Nicholas Carr, in which he argues that using the internet is actually changing the way our brains work. How is that? Well, it's actually a very interesting book because rather than just talk about all the ways people say the internet is bad for us. Well, you know, the staring at a screen is affecting our eyesight, or making our children fat because they don't go outside and play anymore. Carr takes quite a scientific approach. He isn't exactly saying that the internet is bad for us, but he is saying that it is making our brains work differently, and that the changes may be permanent. In what way? Well, he starts off by talking about when people. Started writing and reading books. That was a huge change as well, and lots of people felt it was a bad idea. What would happen? They argued if people didn't have to memorize everything because it was all written down in books. Sounds a bit like the arguments people make today about people looking facts up online that they don't remember things anymore. But Carr says that in fact books taught us to really focus on one thing at a time. Whereas now we're constantly looking at lots of different things at the same time. Hyperlinking, where we are encouraged to click on an underlined word or phrase, and we go off to a different website, is a particular problem. Hmm. But isn't multitasking good for the brain? 
Well, according to Carr, no. The studies show that when we try to do two things at once, we do both of them less well. We're also less likely to remember what we've done or read. There are some obvious benefits to the internet, but all the same, it is changing our culture, so that we're less able to concentrate or make deep connections in our brain, and that can't be a good thing, can it? Audio one point eleven. It seems like every day we find another reason to feel guilty about what we buy. Maybe it's food that we know isn't good for us, or clothes which are made by poorly paid workers, or products which are damaging the environment. Manufacturers know we feel this way, and the latest trend is for so-called guilt-free brands. Brands which claim to be better for us, for workers, and for the planet, so that we can buy them and not feel guilty. Sounds great, but is it as good as it sounds? With us today, we have Gosha Schlachter and Jem Norris, both members of the same environmental group, but with very different views on the idea of guilt-free brands. So, Jem, what do you think about the idea? Well, as far as I'm concerned, anything which makes people think more about what they're buying is a good idea. Take the Fairphone, for example. Until that was produced, most people didn't even realise how bad conditions were for electronics workers in many parts of the world. Now there's a lot more awareness. There's a lot more awareness, but don't you think it would be better if people understood that there is no need at all to keep buying new phones? There seems to be an idea that you have to have a new phone every two years. I'm convinced that if people really understood how much damage this causes to workers and to the planet, they wouldn't do this. I think people should feel guilty. Producing guilt-free brands just gives people an excuse not to think about these issues and just keep buying more and more stuff. Well, according to the people who make Fairphone, their phones will last longer and be easier to repair. If you ask me, we have to give people the option of buying something which is better for the planet, not just say they shouldn't buy something at all. Audio one point twelve. One. So, Jem, what do you think about the idea? Two. Well, as far as I'm concerned, anything which makes people think. Three. There's a lot more awareness, but don't you think it would be better if? Four. I'm convinced. That if people really understood. Five. Well, according to the people who make Fairphone. Six. If you ask me, we have to give people the option.
Audio one point thirteen. One. How do you decide when you can trust someone? How do you decide when you can trust someone? Two. Do you have a lot in common with your closest friend? Do you have a lot in common with your closest friend? Three. When was the last time you made friends with someone new? When was the last time you made friends with someone new? Four. How do you keep in touch with family or friends who live far away? How do you keep in touch with family or friends who live far away? Five. When was the last time you fell out with someone? When was the last time you fell out with someone? Six. Who in your family do you get on with best? Who in your family? Do you get on with best?